Hello and welcome to the Film Ireland Podcast. I'm Gemma Cray and I'm chatting with filmmaker Ian Hunt Duffy about his suspenseful thriller, Double Blind. So thank you so much for chatting with us. No, thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's such it's such a brilliant film. Uh, like it was so exciting to to watch it on the big screen. The production value was gorgeous. It's so tense and sort of fun as well in that like high octane, very relevant thematic way. So it's kind of like you know it, it, there's something for everything. You know your senses are are tickled and and then you know you you're left like going oh that's that's a good message. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, first and foremost, we wanted to be entertaining. We were trying to just craft something exciting and thrilling and full of suspense. And um, yeah, obviously, then we do have like some messaging in there and and, and some subtext and theme going through it. And uh, some of it's probably because it was delayed with COVID and stuff like it's probably more relevant now than it was, you know, or it's taken on a new relevance. And so that's, I guess that's uh, lucky timing in a way. Yeah, yeah, I get that. People really like, you know, there's a bit where people go into lockdown and people are like, oh, hey, I really feel that <laughs> that, was, that was stressful at the levels of anxiety. But actually, well, I think I'm going to I'm going to go back and get to you about the very start of your career and going up through because it's great to this is your first feature. It's amazing to have someone who's come up through the ecosystem um, of of Irish film. And I just want to talk about your journey to get here and. Um, and and as well, what I love is that you've kept your creative crew. So I'm also going to dive into that that element. Um, but first, like, okay, how did you get into film? Where did you train? Who did you who did you make scrappy little films with along the way? Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose it, I it's maybe like the kind of cliche story, but like I started off as a you know child messing around with the home camcorder, you know, making with my my brother Aiden, we would borrow our dad's camcorder and. Uh, we make like little stop motion animation films or we would like reenact scenes from like action films we had watched, like using like cap guns and things like that, you know. Um, and even when I was younger, I would have had like action figures up in my room and my mum would be saying, oh, he's up there, you know, like directing, I guess. I was probably like moving the actors around, you know. It's important that they're blocked properly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was just, I think I was just always just like re- reenacting scenes from, from films and uh so I, like I loved cinema from a young age but like I never really knew that there was a career in it or that like you know uh, this was a job uh, but I I remember do you remember a show it was like movies games and videos it was on on a Saturday and like it, I don't know it was but it like every Saturday would kind of just show you like trailers of movies or there might be like some behind the scenes footage of a movie and I just remember that was mind-blowing when I was like oh my god like there are people who actually make these films like this is a this is what they do like wow so that that was sort of like sparked early on I remember going oh I'd love to make a movie then how do I go about that but then so I'm from Dundalk and I like in uh I guess in I don't want to like to say in that little town but like to say oh I want to be a film director I want to go to Hollywood and be and make a movie was sort of like a ridiculous thing to say it was like you want to be a rock star or something you know um so there wasn't that much encouragement in terms of in like school or whatever it was always like this sort of like that's what I want to do but I'll these other subjects you know and I even remember there was like the equivalent of a career guidance counselor or whatever like saying like would you not do like you know engineering or blah, blah, you know like it was just trying to dissuade me away from arts or like uh, filmmaking and uh, but then there were like I, there were like teachers along the way like English teachers who were real encouraging and then like I, I did transition here and there was like a film course and that like film studies and like we watched a lot of films so that was great and so yeah we were just kind of I'd be making like little kind of as you said scrappy short films along the way but I went to Dunleary after school I went to I applied for the film school in Dunleary in IDT and uh, so that's where I like formally trained uh, for four years uh, doing the film course out there and I guess the best thing I got out of that were the kind of friendships and the collaborators and so like the writer on this film and, and my short films I met in film school Simon with the producer we've worked together since film school Narian Van Malle the, the cinematographer was in film school so these are all like partnerships and collaborations we like that developed in film school and then we've kind of worked together ever since Um, so when we came I graduated from film school like 2009 that's showing my age a little bit um, and then we set up myself and Simon Doyle we set up uh Bill Safe Films, a production company in Dublin. And we were kind of doing a bit of everything, you know, like ads or online videos and it, but also short films. Like the the goal was always, 
like drama like making features i suppose was the goal like you know and so we did a, a rake of short films over the years and um, producing them for other directors and writers um, and then I got to direct my first short film post-college, like my first funded short was Gridlock. And um, that was done exceptionally well and screened everywhere. That was yeah. like, I knew it's long, like it's a 20 minute short. So like even you're like, it got into all the good festivals, um, but it's brilliant. Like it's an incredible short film. Oh and yeah. You no, see the, you. Yeah. You can see the, the tension that like, that sort of like playing with perception, like all that is in that as well. So like, I mean, in a way, I suppose you're out of college and Dunleary as well, that the standard is so high that you achieve when you're there. But like, it is a very, um, like, it's almost like you arrived fully formed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't Yeah, I mean, we I've done a few things after college as well. Like I think we did like a Storyland in its infancy, one of the early Storylands. I know you were involved in Storyland back in the day as well. Uh, like so we did like a kind of a comedy one called Talk It Out that Derek wrote. Um, but that was like, it was sort of like an X Factor process. You had to like vote each week. Like you had to get people to vote to, for you to make another one and stuff. So we only got to make two of those. But then... Um, and I produced a couple of short films I produced like Love is a Sting that was uh, that Vincent Gallagher directed and that did really well uh, and that then, then just gave me kind of the hunger like okay I want to direct something myself and um, yeah Gridlock speaking with Derek we just wanted to make a sort of a, a Twilight Zone episode or something you know like a kind of a we were big fans of those kind of shows like Twilight Zone or Alfred Hitchcock Presents, these kind of 20 minute, 25 minute episodes where there was like a mystery or a load of suspense and tension crammed into this this short amount of time. And we wanted to see if we could do that with a short film and, and in an Irish setting as well. So um, yeah, Gridlock, I didn't expect it to be this sort of like festival darling or anything like that. It was to me, it was just like this fun genre film that would be you know, I would like to see it myself in a in a shorts program, like you know. But uh, yeah, it, it went. All, we got to travel all over the world with that. It was it was brilliant, you know. Um, so that was sort of, yeah, like a I guess a statement of intent a little bit, as in, okay, this is the kind of stuff we want to do. We want to work in genre, thriller, suspense, um, and then that like kind of jumped off from gridlock. Then we were able to make uh, a focus short with Screen Ireland. Uh, low tide which was more of a horror kind of a coming of age horror but always we had like the feature in mind so we were, I was trying to be like strategic with the kind of shorts I was making that they would be building up in scale but also like the same sort of genre and, and, and style of the feature so that when it came time to like pitch double blind I would have this sort of like well look these are the shorts I've done that are in the same same world you know so uh, when you were you're doing your shorts you're working on your shorts at the same time, are you kind of tapping away at your treatment for double blind? Are you kind of fleshing out the idea or do you have a kind of a, a kind of drawer of ideas and you're like, mm, like I, I, this one kind of seems, you know, like because I kind of feel like sometimes you're working on projects and it's not always the one that you expect takes off that it's yeah. like part of it is what like why now for this particular project? I mean, right now when you're watching Double Bind, you're like, oh yeah, <laughs> like it's the most timely thing and the whole planet. And, you know, it taps into every kind of deeply held zeitgeist and everything. So you like, there's no question about why now, but like, I kind of think like as a person developing stories and themes in the background, like, were you like, this is always the one we were going to do next? Um, or... And again, I actually think it's, it's, it's quite, um it's high concept and it's, like it feels very big um production design wise and in in terms of curating the world so it's not like oh this was like our natural low budget next choice for a first feature either well I, well I'm glad to hear you say that 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 was like the intention to make it look as you know big budget as we could possibly but we were kind of pragmatic in the approach that when myself and Derek and Simon kind of sat down to say okay what can we do for a first feature we were thinking of I'm not going to get a massive budget for my first film. So we have to be kind of smart and what the, the, so like that, the early talks were like, is there something we can do in one location? You know, um, obviously that's advantageous from a budget and a logistical point of view, but then, you know, from a story point of view, we're talking with Derek is, is there something that we can confine to this one space? Then we can use that to, to create a lot of 
you know tension or claustrophobic uh, you know an atmosphere of claustrophobia um Derek, it wasn't, he had another script, another screenplay uh, that was like fully written and he was very excited about that. And it was a good script, but uh, I remember then he, he sort of like, here's the script that I have that, that work feature. And then I also have this idea and it was only like, he basically had like, I don't know what it is yet, but like, I think that it's like basically like if you fall asleep, you die. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> and so I was like, take that other script, put, park that other script for a minute. I know you've written it and great job, but like, I really like that idea. And Simon was the same. We were both kind of like, no, no, I think that idea that you have there is worth, is worth developing. That's the one. So um, once we had that idea and we were thinking of, can we do something in one location? That sort of gave him the idea for the, the, the clinical drug trial. Uh, like a pharmaceutical trial and then oh so it's in a it's in a pharmaceutical facility they're testing a drug and that's the result of this is you know if you fall asleep you die so that was kind of yeah that, that that was a jumping off point there and it, I, it was always the one I wanted to pursue for the first feature so I was like yeah we developed that timing wise it was kind of the same time as low tide so low tide well when low tide was kind of when did we shoot low tide I think it was 2018 that's when we got the first round of development for uh, to, to write the screenplay for Double Blind. So I think once we got in with Screen Ireland with like doing the focus and then we, you know, they were happy with how that was going and when we pitched them the idea for Double Blind, they could kind of see it, you know. Um, and and would you have, so you would have just gone in, would it be something that you were maybe discussing with them at the same time outside and then you would put in for the, what is it, the initial feature development production yeah. thing? So I, I think it was even in the pitch for... When we did our interview for so when we got like shortlisted for an interview to do the focus short and we were in like anyone i don't know if you're, if you're familiar but like you when you go in you have to like you know you've got your team there and you're being like there's a panel of interviews and like you have like your script and they ask you some questions on that and a director would have like his or her lookbook or notes you know um but we were like in that kind of pitch we were saying the reason we want to do this is because it's like an evolution. It's a step up from gridlock, but it's also the next step towards this feature that we're working on, you know? So we did like kind of name check a little bit. Like, you know, this is, we see, we see this focus short as kind of like our stepping stone towards making that first feature with Screen Ireland, you know? Uh, so they were aware of it. And then, yeah, when we put it in, they just, I, I, I so it was a treatment we would have submitted. The Derek had written a treatment at that stage, yeah. Yeah, because the first one, it's treatment and sample pages, isn't it? And it's, but I mean, it really has to even be at a relatively polished stage before you submit it. Because the thing about that scheme as well is you can only put things in twice. So if you're, yeah, yeah you're rejected at any stage, like that's one of your times gone I before know, you come back and yeah. fix it. Yeah. So, so that, so that's your kind of progression. Talk to me about working with um, Dark in developing stories. So do you guys sit down? hash things out have a slate that you're kind of tipping away on all the time um and it, like it sounds like that's sort of what happened with this and that you're kind of pitching ideas so he went okay okay I'll go develop it does he come back like with a one pager or something fully formed or does he just come back with a final script and then you throw eyes over it how does that dynamic work with the Perrier he we would work closely together and like Simon as well as really creative producer so there would be like you know kind of spitballing conversations or you know we, we would we get together and like talk through the idea. I think Derek likes to do an outline first. So I guess we would have a lot of conversations and talk about ideas. Then he would go and write like a step outline and he would kind of, we'd read that. And then from that, maybe develop a treatment, but it would always be like Derek would be going away working on it. We would then give kind of feedback on it, you know, and he would take, he would either take those notes or not take those notes on board and then, and do another kind of version of it. Actually, the thinking back into the point, he may have written a first draft that we might've actually he might have written a first draft and submitted sample pages rather than a treatment. I can't, my, I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. But, um, but like Double Blind went through a lot of different drafts. Like, um, I love to hear how things change and why they change. I think it's a very interesting process because, you know, as, as an audience, we see this as this final, fully formed, completed thing. We never see behind the curtains that actually, you know, she was a man or, you know, which, which, you know, like originally, you know, everyone turned into zombies or something. Do you know, like, wh what were the other versions of this? Like, were, well, funny you say it, she was a man. Dr. Burke was always a man, actually, in the script. So that was just a casting choice. We decided to, to flip the gender there. And that um, really worked. Like, really worked. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, and what like what a name as well to get uh, affiliated. Like your whole cast. Oh my god! Like when you were like, oh yeah, we were trying to keep it contained, and I was like, yeah, but the the level of performers and their credits backgrounds yeah, are insane I was, I was sort of like yeah the cast was amazing I was very I was it was sort of an embarrassment of riches really like as a first time feature director um Amy Rowan who was our casting director she just did an incredible job and it was a long process it wasn't like an easy casting process because um as a first time director even though I had like you know gridlock and no time they won awards like I'm I'm the biggest liability uh because it's like so that like, you know, even Screen Ireland, they're like, okay, we got to surround you with the best team because you're, you know, in case you fuck it up, I guess, you know. Um, but like for actors in particular, there's a, there is a little bit of trepidation. I totally get it. Like, you know, if you haven't directed a first feature, how do they know that I'm going to deliver on the concept or, you know, be able to get that performance out of them or, you know, they might, you know, they haven't worked with, with me before. So there is a kind of a trust and a, uh, you have to create there. So yeah, it was probably a long time casting because because of a first time feature director, you know, um, but we it's an ensemble cast as well. So it's difficult. You have to get all those the right personalities and individuals and kind of, you know, you know, you're not just casting in, in a vacuum with each character. It's like you're, you're always casting the group as well. And um, so like we focus on Claire first and we got Millie Brady and she's just incredible. And then we were able to kind of work out from there. Actually, while we're on the subject of cast, I do want to say, so because this is sort of thematically linked to what we were saying is, is the, the shifts and ebbs and flows about how things change from the, the page to the final concept. So you're casting out. Do you ever sort of tweak characters? So you're saying, you, you know, you, you flipped the gender of Dr. Burke. Is there any other thing where you're like, actually, OK, like she's, you know, maybe got an English accent. So we'll, you know, we'll aim to have somebody with, you know, a thick Dublin accent to kind of play opposite that in the dynamic shift. Do do characters ever change in that way? Or did you go, oh, no, no, this is who we want. And we're going to try and nail people that can deliver on that. No, and you know, it was definitely it was an evolving process. Like, and you know, I might have gone in with a really clear idea of like the the kind of actor or character in my head, and then Amy might suggest someone totally different, and I'd have to be like, okay, right, that's not what I picture, but let me see. And then they might just do something amazing, and you, you have to go, okay, well, that's that's not what I expected or thought, but that's better, you know. And you always have to be open to. I think you have to like check your ego a little bit and go, okay, I was that's a better idea, you know, or that's a better actor for this role. Um, in terms of the English accent and Irish accent, yeah, uh, you know, Claire was written as Irish, I guess, and Screen Ireland, we had tried to get an, uh, an Irish lead. Um, it wasn't for lack of trying, but I, I, but then I was, I never really cared about that. I just wanted the best performer for the role. And so when Millie came along, uh, you know we were just like can we who cares if she's English like you know and I'm not going to make her do an accent I want her to do it in her own voice but then that did have an like a kind of knock-on effect of the ratio of Irish accents to English accents we had to balance that out to the point of the actor Brannock O'Connor who plays Paul in the film he's English doing an Irish accent <laughs> I, I, so, like, he does a great Irish accent so we said okay can you do an Irish accent because he's like He's the West Brit, though, of them all as well, isn't he? Like, that's his kind of, his aura. <laughs> so, but like, his character is friends with the character of Ray in the film, who's yeah. like noise, and he's like a dub. So oh, yeah. you had to have an Irish accent, I thought, like for the two of them to be. Oh, actually, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting his character mixed up with the, you know, the artisan guy, the travel guy. Oh, Marcus. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, Frank. He's the West Brit, but he's brilliant. Like you, you kind of. I love the eclectic um, personality personalities that are there, and how you know, like, and again, it just it's like it's brilliant writing, it's brilliant casting. Um, how you're like actually, I never thought about how those people would coexist in a room together, and you know the the alliances that form and bond, and it it it's just a, it's it's really entertaining watch because you know we're so familiar with those character tropes and they're so some of them are so local but there's like an international appeal to them as well yeah no, no absolutely like, and that yeah we were aware of the tropes that we were playing with but we were trying to give it a little bit more than a trope yeah yeah or like or have the twist of that you know like have them be a little bit more meaty like play into those uh, expectations and then have it be a little bit but that like that's again why it was just so fabulous and like as an ensemble piece which it can be tricky to get that right and it feels like every one of them has an arc and has 
which is hard to do for that amount of time while delivering um, pacing, while delivering all your kind of like horror thriller set piece moments as well. And that like that was probably the biggest thing that came out of the development process with Screen Ireland, like the numerous drafts, they were very focused on character. Um, not that like, like it's a very heavy plotted film as well. Um, but any I would say the majority of their notes are like, okay, we really need to refine this character down, or how like what like giving Claire a backstory or how much backstory do you give the other characters? How can we like drip feed in a bit more nuance to them? Like, you know, you did, I mean, I so Dervler uh, Regan, who was our project manager at the time, she was just her whole mantra was like, you know, you have to give a damn about these characters or you're not gonna care once they start dying you know so um that was yeah a, a process with, with screen on just trying to round out each character give some something to each character i suppose and even in the deaths like we tried to have the hallucinations that the characters would have before their death we'd try and use that in the kind of uh can this evoke something about their their fears or their you know you know their personality that kind of thing so Oh, no, it's 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 brilliant, and I and again, like it's it's fascinating to watch. So again, sorry, the, the original question that I was asking was about those little tweaks and differences, like from the development process and the writing process. What were the changes across the drafts, or how did it evolve? So there was another character. I think we had another character in the group. So there was like an amalgamation. That was a suggestion again from from Screen Ireland that. Uh, I don't know, there's some like scientific research on about the number of characters that you can have that you can hold in your head as an audience member. So like we had eight characters originally in the trial, like four, four male, four female. And I don't know, there's something about seven is better, a better number apparently for characterization. Uh, so we ha- we lost a character or we kind of combined two characters into one. Uh, there was a version, there was a whole subplot with a mole like that, which was kind of in there now that they... They're suspicious. Of, can we talk about spoilers in this or no? Um. Well, like, let's just say that. There's, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. What we can do is we can cut it out. Like, I think if I, I kind of think like, look, it's a thriller. We know people are going to die. Let's not say who dies. Okay, no. I'll, keep, I'll, yeah. I'll try and keep it. I won't spoil. Yeah, yeah. But there's a character in the film that others suspect. Let's say, that, yeah. you know, is that character you know working against us or working for Blackwood? And that was sort of the remnants of a, a much bigger subplot that there was this mole amongst them like it was uh it was a bit more mob mentality pointing the finger like you know who is it and, and there was actually it was revealed that there was someone you know working against them inside the group but that uh, that kind of got taken out a little bit just it was sort of just there was a kind of few too many little plots like that you know and then there was a bit more of a there was an earlier draft where it was a bit more of a like a, an actiony sequence like to try and at the end it was a bit more full on I won't go into how the film ends at the minute but so it's just like things like that are like certain death scenes might have changed you know we might have tried something different um I totally had a suspicion um, again like it's it's a bit of a spoiler but so the development process sounded very very interesting in terms of were you and Dara sort of working on the script together, you're getting drafts delivered, you'd give the notes, he'd take it or not, as he said, then like, are you working together and then submitting to Screen Ireland for these like regular, like micro deadlines? And then after the first development stage, when did the funding development stage kick in? And what was that like? Oh, so well, like so, the development process you are getting, you're getting around each time, like of of more. Yeah. Like, well, we would submit. I think we went through three rounds of development, like official rounds of development, you know, um, and each round, like you probably, at the time, it's different model now, but we would have maybe, so we we working back and forth on the draft together, and then he we would submit a version to our project manager to read and they might give notes on it. And then or if they were happy for us then to submit officially to like kind of close off the round of development. And then I think that a committee then met and then would say, do we want to give them another round? Like, you know, and luckily they, you know, we did, we went to like two more rounds and then it was, it was like, we were in like, it was like two years of development really like going back and forth with Screen Ireland with the drafts in between that, like, so that was 2018 that started in 2019 myself and Simon, the producer, we went over, we got selected for the Frontiers uh, International Co-Production Market, which is 
a genre-centric uh, market. Uh, it's in Montreal at the Fantasia Film Festival, where there's like 10 projects every year, genre projects, go and pitch on front of investors, sales agents, that kind of thing. Uh, and then you have like a couple of days of networking and speak, you know, meetings as a result. Like you get up on the stage and you pitch and then the next couple of days, then you're meeting potential sales agents. So on the back of that, we got Epic Pictures on board as our sales agent. So then that kind of gave a bit more, you know, a bit, a bit of a push, I suppose, to Screen Ireland that, okay, so we've got with Screen Ireland and then we've got a sales agent, we've got like a backer, if you know what I mean. So at the end of 2019, going into 2020, we would have submitted then for to, for production financing. Um, and then we got that early, like in February, I remember it was just before my birthday in, in February 2020, we got like the green light. And we we're like, this is it. 2020 is our year, baby. Oh, God. COVID <laughs> <laughs> shut down the world, you know. It probably worked better in your favor that, you know, it's like maybe in COVID, a film coming out about lockdown would have been too much. Like now yeah. we're we're processing the trauma of all the lockdowns, of yeah, the relationship yeah. to Big Pharma. I know, yeah. I mean, trusted. Like, yeah, like lockdown has a totally different meaning then. You know, we had that term in our script in 2018 and that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Look, I, it was just this. Yeah, I mean, everything. It's, like, it's almost like the world redesigned itself to fit your film. Yeah. <laughs> well, <that's laughs> In the it. meantime. Yeah, people are like, oh, it's a COVID movie. And it's like, well, yeah. it's like, you know, I mean, look, and we would have then. And the cost uh, of living housing crisis has ramped up so that these like existential struggle of these things, like, honestly, I feel like, I feel like it's it's worked in your favor. <laughs> I know, like, I, absolutely. Like, I'll totally take it. Like, yeah, yeah, it's definitely, <laughs> we have to take the positives out of, uh, out of the crippling collapse of society. <laughs> <laughs> like, at least, at least your film is received more authentically. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it was 20, like, so we basically lost two years, I suppose, but in terms of different things, we were trying to go in 2021 and then different things with location and casting and stuff. It was 2022 before we actually filmed and now out in 24. So it's a long time, like, you know, but that, yeah, I think two of those years were kind of COVID stuff, delays. Uh, so one, what was your, sorry, what was your actual year of shooting then? 22, the... 2022. 22, okay. Okay, so we were out of the like, you know, like testing all the time, everyone being very socially distant. Like yeah, was... yeah, so we were out of it, but we were still, the the COVID protocols were still in place for filming. So we were still uh, wearing masks, testing ourselves all the, like, the time. Like, and actually like on day two of the shoot, one of the actors got COVID and I played for like a, a seven days. So it was just like, oh my God. So straight away, <sighs> we had to like rejig things. And uh, we actually, it was luckily we had our, our grip, Charlie looked very similar to the actor, had the same hair and physique. We, we threw a costume on him and like shot over his shoulder or put him in the deep background, things like that. Just anything we could do to kind of keep the show going. So on the, on the road. Oh God. It is, it's like that. Like, I mean, and like that, it just takes down like our whole family went down like two weeks ago. And it's just you're out, like you're out of the game and you can't go anywhere and you can't do anything. And you're like, oh. And then we had like two kids running around and we're trying know, to yeah. do work and like miserable, but it's just like, it's still like the hangover of that is still there. Um, but I'd say that was like a tough shooting because like, I presume, like it's not like you have limited budget. Okay, I know it's very, very uncouth to talk about money. Um, So I'm going to like be very general with it. Uh, but I am very interested because it's such a huge point of um this film. And I think it's such a, it's such a high production value. Um, I just wanted to talk about like maybe like broad strokes, what you feel comfortable in sharing um, with in terms of like, was there co-production funding? Um, did that come with any caveats? And no, like, so I no, I can say it. I, like, cause I think I've said it in other interviews. So, I mean, if I get in trouble, I've already said it, but uh, <laughs> I think it's out there. And anyway, no, it wasn't a co-production. <laughs> we got funding from Screen Ireland. And uh, so it was made up of funding from Screen Ireland, Epic, our sales agents, uh, put in money and then the rest was like section 481 the tax so i think we got kind of it was just over a million euro was the budget and uh, wow. which was sort of like the highest we could get without going into kind of co-production side of things or like bringing in another country if you wanted more so we wanted to see if we could do it for you know not a co-production i guess um and it's it's not micro budget but it's low and especially for something this 
high yeah. um, concept with so many effects. And I mean, well, so look, I was like, oh, a million euro. Great. That's like cute. And then it's like it's spent before you even walked on set. You know what I mean? We're already like, ah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we only had 23 days of filming, which was not a lot like at all. Uh, it was just every day we were constantly up against it. And it was really it was scheduled within an inch of its life. So even like, you know, day two, when an actor goes down for week for COVID, you're like, ah. you know, it's uh, it was tricky. Also, I wonder with character with actors of sort of that caliber and that busy slate is a tough locking down like the schedules in terms of like when people are available and you know like pickups and things was that tricky as well it was because like i know like some of them had like a very like hard out like millie i think we couldn't really go like a day or two over because we'd lose millie so i remember that was like pressure towards the end of the shoot it was like if, if this goes over, like well, we didn't have the budget to go over day, but if if there any, if, you know, if something happened, we would have lost our lead actress. You know, we just didn't have the kind of the wiggle room, let's say. Um, Pollyanna, I think we only had her in for a few days, but like you know, we 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 had a great AD, uh, Stephen Fuller, and he on uh, a team of ADs, like and producers. So like it was all well scheduled and planned and orchestrated but uh yeah there was like with with a cast and obviously with an ensemble cast like was like eight players there's a lot of jiggling and moving things around and horse trading i guess you know what i mean to figure out like what days and that would then have a knock on with like locations like you might have a location manager saying okay you can only get into ul uh, and these dates and it's like oh well pollyanna whoever is only available these dates you're gonna have to you know what i mean so there's, there's all kind of stuff yeah and and tell me about the location as well. So it's most of it was shot in Limerick. Yeah, uh, pretty much all of us shot. Yeah, so it, it's we had a like very specific location requirement. I thought it was being real clever, as I said earlier. Oh, we'll shoot it all in one location. That'll make our lives so much easier. But then we had such a like specific location in like the description. This underground, windowless medical facility. Uh, that's like high end, like minimalist design, but shows off that it's like a well-funded global pharmaceutical brand um so i think if we had the budget ideally we would have built this it'd be like you, this would be a studio builder set because you'd have full control to design it we just didn't have the money so we had to find something that did pre-exist a building or something that we could use and we looked everywhere for we I, we're i'm living in dublin so we tried to find it in dublin as best we could we spent a good few months looking for something in this region we just couldn't find it and um i remember reaching out to owen Hulahan, who's like one of the top location guys for advice and he suggested just getting in touch with all the film like offices in each county in ireland and just like send them a brief of what you're looking for like say look this is what we want if you have this in your county we'll be willing to bring our show to you and uh, we looked in a few different counties but then limerick uh film in limerick so paul ryan down there who kind of runs that he he said i think we've got something as he brought us down and we did like a recce of limerick and like we went to ul first university of limerick and there were some yeah cool things there they were like they had the lab and different things like yeah it could maybe work work but i don't know if we may be able to make the whole thing work here and and we went through a number of places in limerick and we were sort of i remember we were having lunch we hadn't quite found it and we were a bit a little bit dejected and then he just said, oh, well, there is one more place we could look at it. And myself and Simon were kind of looking at or watching. We have to go back to Dublin. That's two and a half hours. I mean, OK, look, we're here. We might as well give it a go. And we drove out to Raquel and they had this this sort of empty industrial building. that, And I was just like, oh, my God, this is perfect. Like when we walked in, it had all the corridors. It had like the big empty space for the common room and had loads of like offshoots of little rooms that we could then build little smaller sets in or design. So yeah, all of a sudden it, I, I could see it. I was like, okay, geez, this this could this could in a way be a studio for us, you know, because it was like a blank canvas and it was this empty building that they owned. And again, a COVID benefit was it was built to put in a load of businesses, but they hadn't moved in because of COVID. Lots of people were still working from home. So it was sort of like sitting there. There's only one or two businesses in it. Um, so it ended up acting as like a studio lot for us. We had our production offices there. We had our lunch there we had all our stuff there and then you know the corridors that you see in the film exist uh, like obviously we've decorated and painted them and different things and the common room we've added all the things to it but like that space is there you know so that was brilliant 
And again, I think the production design on this is is second to none. Can you talk to me about like your prep? What were your influences, your um, working? Like, and I think the visuals overall as well are so kind of polished and heightened. And I think one of the things that really works is there's the mind's eye, there's the magic realism. There's like very, even though it's, you know, it's in one location, it's being told from multiple perspectives. Um, and you're getting, you know, like people's internalized visions and thoughts and mental states externalized in this stylistic way that is very much so sells the concept. Can you talk to me about like your plan for, you know, like doing that? Because that is like, there's a lot there. Like there's a lot of things to bear in mind. There's a lot of kind of internal worlds to create as well as these different visual styles. And I'm just, do you and Narian sit down in a room and um, like prep all of this? Or is this something you come with the beat sheet and you guys arrive together? Because it's just like, and it, it works. It's it's so, um, it's so layered and interesting to watch, but it, it seems like that would be a lot <laughs> like to take on as a first feature. Well, I think I, I guess another blessing of the delay, like so when we had that like kind of two year delay, I was doing as much kind of visual prep as I could myself. So that was just me trying to like pull references and like inspiration from anything like from like, you know, or other films in this sort of genre that I thought were good or, you know, photography or art or like you're looking on Instagram, you're looking on Pinterest, like you're just like I said, I'm a bit of a magpie, I guess, like just picking lots of shiny things like, you know, building this nest. Um, and I just try to pull as much as that as possible. And then I would put that together into like a lookbook. So like it would be, you know, stuff on like color like palettes or, you know, um composition i might have like some stills from other films like ideas for that or you know images for tone and atmosphere and mood and you just pull it all together and so i have this sort of as a it's not a bible but it's like a, a blueprint or you know a foundation i suppose then that we could build upon like so i would take that to narian we would discuss that and he would be bringing material as well we would talk about like yeah all the different like sleep tricks as we call it i suppose like what like what are, what are visual ways we can like represent sleep deprivation or hallucination so that was like a lot of kind of spitball and like you know we'd be like like oh how about this or this and you know just back and forth Um, i like to shot list myself first so i would do like a full shot list that pass and then i'd share it out with narian and he would kind of do a pass on it or he would add stuff or take things away or suggest different you know ideas um and then once we start like bringing on like art, like different HODs, like, you know, art department or costume or makeup, um, I would try to like create a Google Drive or something for each thing and then just share it with them. And it's a collaborative thing. I'd be like dropping in images. They would hopefully be dropping in images. And then it's, yeah, it's like you're, you're just kind of chatting back and forth the whole time. Go, what about this? What about this? And like trying different things. So um I, yeah, as it was my first film, a uh, feature film, I tried to have as much of a a clear vision for it as possible, a strong vision like that I could communicate then. And like that, I that lookbook and stuff. And we also did a sizzle reel. That was something I thought was, that was something we did for when we were pitching the film at Frontiers, but that really helped, which was we cut together a trailer for the film, but using, you know, clips from other films, you know. Uh, and that was just a really quick way of like setting up the, the tone that we we're going for. The fake-o-matic, is that, is that what it is? I, think I, I guess, yeah, I think that's fake-o-matic. I call it scissor-reel, but maybe that's not even Scissor-reel, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah, pretty much like a, a, as if you did like a fan trailer for the film, I suppose, but like come together from a bunch of different movies. So we had that and then this lookbook, and I was able to then, when we were like interviewing HODs or like talking a bit to people to try and get them on board the project, that was sort of like the starting point. Like, here's what I'm thinking. And then, you know, they would feed into it, like with their ideas, you know. Um, and what would be your reference points? Like, what would be the things that you're like, actually, I loved this and I really wanted it to have the vibe of this? Or is there, you know, is there anything sort of stylistically that you, that like, where you'd like to use as your inspiration? Uh, well, like other films, I suppose, like, um, I, like I love The Thing by John Carpenter and just like the paranoia. And that's like another one location thing. And this group of, characters trapped together and they you know they slowly start turning on each other 
and just that kind of icy i mean it's uh, no pun intended because it's in antarctica but that icy atmosphere that kind of cold vibe so like the thing was always a big one i mean there's a lot of one location thrillers that like the like cube was one um even like exam which is a film that pollyanna starred in like a, this is like a british one location so we would look at a lot of one location things green room uh just the tension in green room like the uh so and then but then there'll be movies that like might not be in terms of the style but they might just have something like so like fight club for example there's a lot of he's an insomniac in that and there's like the flashes of tyler durden like you know the kind of subliminal cuts things like that like you're 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 cherry picking bits and pieces as references from other films like to say like this is kind of the mood i want to get in terms of like i had color palettes who I, we really wanted like blue it was just obviously predominant color in it and um, but yeah we just had to that was something that came out of talks with production design art department costume we tried to pick like i think it's like three colors in it like really like and apart from like red was the one that came into it then in lockdown and in blood but it was like there was a blue a gray and a yellow were kind of the colors like in the costume and like the blue stripes and the blue like you know so we just tried to have a consistent look across all departments because that was kind of my briefer was that like this should look like you know if, if blackwood the pharmaceutical company is like a brand they would have like a, a an interior designer they'd have a brand across their like wardrobe and their their facilities that kind of thing so it should look again we wouldn't have a huge budget to like go real like full on with props and net design so we went for like a more minimalist design because that would evoke a certain like style but our like a budget as well like you know they're 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 well funded they've gone for a minimalist look you know what i mean so that that plays into our favor we don't have a lot to put on <laughs> into a room you know like clean lines yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they do a lot of heavy lifting but they do like it's it's very um it's it's very kind of the, the world feels so well realized in it um when you got into the edit um how was that then because the thing about this is there's so many arcs to balance mm. <laughs> there's so many like um like pacing is so important and you know like and then you're selling concepts and cutaway shots and like I can imagine for something like this it's like the edit is a strategic moment it's not like just a, a creative thing so can you talk to me about about that about going through the footage yeah uh, what, what, my favorite part of the process is the edit I have to say like I, I love the edit like um and it's that old saying of the three scripts you write the right the one you write the one you shoot and the one you edit I agree with that like because the script was changing all the time but I think the edit is that the, the final like it's the script like you know what I mean that's where you actually make your film like you know not to discount like the, the Derek and the script but I mean in, in the edit is where it's made you know like ultimately like but I think a wrong choice you can lose a the beat of a moment or the power of a moment yeah. as well like so it's so it's, it's such a precise moment oh, yeah, totally yeah. yeah screw it up I suppose <laughs> yeah you know um but I had a great editor on board Colin Campbell and I was my first time working with him and we actually, he was based in France at the time. So I had to do it remotely. That was my first time editing remotely, which I wasn't sure how that would work because any other time I've been in the room, like physically with the editor, but it worked out great. Like, um, and I just, yeah, like, yeah, you go, tr you try lots of different things and um, we had like a bunch of different cuts. We had to do like test screenings as well. So there's like notes on that, but um, no, it wasn't like, I'm trying to think well, like was there like huge bumps in a row not really like, I think the film kind of reveals itself a little bit like you'll know there were or, or how do you how do you find it like is it do you just feel like it's um when you're watching a scene you just do it over and over again until that like internalized artist in you goes yes or you know is it something that you finesse or do you show it to people like what's your process with the edit so I mean like day to day like the first cut like we would just go scene by scene so like we would literally we would do like each scene to a certain we do a few pass on the scene towards till it's like at a certain level and then we'd go on to the next scene and, and do that and we would never i wouldn't watch it until it was done you know i wouldn't go back like once we've done that scene we go on to the next one we wouldn't watch them concurrently then until we had like a, a cut and then the first time did you go back and you went ah <laughs> or, or was it there do you know because you're like I, I well, I, it's funny. I remember on like Gridlock the first time I watched the cut of that, like the assembly. And that. that must have been eight hours long. The first cut of Gridlock. Yeah. It was pretty long. <laughs> long. 
I remember being like so dejected going, oh no, this is terrible. It's never going to work. What are we doing? Like, and that was much more of a whip. Okay, go back to, I remember like Scorsese has a great quote. Like he's saying like the first time, if you don't want, if you don't feel physically ill, the first time you watch the first cut of your film, like you're doing something wrong. So I took a little solace in that uh, and gridlock then. Yeah, that was like a whittling down process and refining. And then eventually we got it to what we did and, uh, and it worked. So I knew kind of, going into this like, okay even if uh, i don't like the first cut like we can get there but like it was actually um we we had a an assembly cut done during the shooting so we had an assistant editor on board who was editing as we went along which i never had before which was really helpful because because it was such a tight schedule i was able to like ask him hey can you have a look at what i shot today and can you do a quick cut of it together just to see do we have it or do i have to like go back today and grab a shot of this and you know, our, you know, so that was really helpful. So by the end of the shoot, there was like a, a rough assembly done and it was actually in pretty good shape. So it wasn't, I mean, it was too long and different things, but like, I, I could see it. I could see, I was like, okay, yeah. like it was encouraging, let's say. Um, so then when Colin came on, we like, not that we scrapped that, but we started again. Okay, we're going to do our own cut. But we knew, you know, that there was, there were things that were going to work and weren't going to work already, you know, just from watching that assembly. So when we watched the first cut, yeah, uh, there were things that, yeah, we knew we'd have to refine. And like, there was a lot of like VFX and stuff that had to be put in. And there were actually some scenes that we were going to pick up. Um, so there were a couple of things missing, but by and large, we weren't, I wasn't like pulling my hair when I saw it. It was just like, okay. Um, that was something that like, we did do pickups. If you're asking something that changed, like Blackwood was actually like much more of a presence visually in the film. So we did some, more uh video calls with like blackwood and and pollyanna's character where you actually saw the execs that she was talking to Um, and this is something we shot after the fact as a pickup day and put into the film and it just it didn't work unfortunately like when we tested it it was just unnecessary and um so that was kind of a a hard lesson like that we actually went out and spent time casting and shooting this and then it was like no it doesn't work but that's the thing you have to like kill your darlings like you know if it doesn't work it doesn't work you know um and like no one cares you might have like this shot in the film that took hours to do or cost much money but if it doesn't work like for the story it's got to go like no one's going to care like you know so um so yeah just like so we went through a couple of cuts and, and as i said we did like two test screenings so we got a lot of feedback and notes from an audience there. who would you get to sit in for that would you get but your... that was like general but like so that was organized by like uh that was organized by Screen Ireland. Um, so I don't, I can't remember the name of the company that did it, but they like they do test, they, that's their kind of job. They're like a marketing company. I think they market research. They invite members of the public to come in and watch the film and then like fill out like a questionnaire. And then they do like a bit more of a focus group at the end of it as well with some people. And it's, yeah, it is like, and then you get like all this data back then like pie charts and different things of like scenes that they were losing interest in or characters they didn't like or different. And you just sort of have to, it's a tough thing because like for every say there's a scene that like five people say they don't like there's another five people that say they love it so you're like well who do we yeah you know what i mean and then the tendency i suppose the human nature is to go with the people who don't like it you know what i mean even though someone said they loved it you know what i mean so it's and again it's sort of like that's when when is it you as an artist you know going with your gut saying this is what i believe to be true and then when is it just this is a product that the people are consuming like <clears throat> and the thing is like it's both in a way like it's what and it's interesting to see that because I kind of think like when cinema is, is lower budget when it's it's not a big studio like I mean that doesn't even come into the process half the time so I wonder like that's that's very interesting that you're going through those those yeah. beats and I wonder is it is it that it's a genre film that there's the potential for like a high volume of sales further down the line Maybe yeah, I I I I would in my I mind that I think a lot of Irish films do this, like they do a test screen whether they're genre or not, um, and and they'd say, oh, people are losing interest in this in this beat at that. Well, I mean, it's not yeah, it's not just like that, but it would they would have like yeah, a lot of like information about, you know, think like you know they'd have questions like what did you like, what did you not like, how did you what did you think at the end, what did you think at the start, were there any bits that you didn't understand okay. or confusing were there any characters you liked or didn't like or were there any moments where you lost interest or you know that and they'd have yeah and then they would i guess this company would like 
collate the data and go, okay, it's sagging a bit in the middle or is it, and I, mean, what I remember in the second act, that was always a kind of tricky thing. We, after like the shit hits the fan, let's say in the, at the end of the first act and we set up this premise of the lockdown and people dying and stuff, there's sort of a natural dip. Well, like we have to sort of level off for a minute before like the next death and it ramps up again. So it was trying to, that was an area we were kind of very conscious of losing momentum or pace. And that was, that was definitely something in the test screens. We're like, okay. And we cut a few scenes then out of that section to try and pace that up, I guess. Interesting. Oh, no, that's fascinating to hear that that's the process. Cause I, I never knew that. And I think it's so interesting to, 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 to like, it also must be quite scary as a filmmaker, especially when something is raw in that intermediate stage, yeah. like to have, like eyeballs that have absolutely no like I mean it's so different like you have a festival screening your mom and your parents are there and all your friends from school are going oh Ian's brilliant but like (laughs) you know if it's if it's like these these people are going yeah well I just watched like the Marvels and I didn't like that it was crap and now I'm gonna watch your film and I was like ugh you know like I have no (laughs) attachment to it but that's good though you want that sort of general like on un- unbiased opinion like because that's ultimately who you're going to be playing for you know yeah i know as it, it's i would recommend doing a test screening even if it's not true a company like this because we did it with gridlock as well we did that like in bow street we that was more of a we just invited friends or people we knew and before we locked the edit just to see if because there's a twist ending at gridlock we wanted to see did it land or if there were any questions and that helped us with it but like yeah. with gridlock and even with double blind like you get to a point a certain point in the edit where you can convince yourself of certain things like there might be problems to be like, I think that's working. I think it's fine. Yeah. And it's only then when you're sitting in an audience that you like feel it in the pit of your stomach, like, Oh no, that doesn't. And I think that's, what's really valuable about it. Like when you watch the film with an audience, that's when you'll know what's inherently what's working and what's not working. Like, you know, you'll feel when the audience is, is listless or is losing interest or if a scene's too long or, if a joke doesn't land or a scare doesn't, you know what I mean? It's just, and that's really, I think the benefit of doing something like this before you lock, you know, just to try. Oh no. And it's all, it's all for the best, but I can imagine just, I could, I could imagine just being very nervous though. (laughs) Like when it, to get the Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. yeah. And then we have to like, you have to listen to this like focus group, uh, you know, covertly, I guess, like we're not in the room, you know, but they're not listening to like, you know, there might be one person who stayed back for this focus group because now look, I don't like horror films or any of this at all, but here's my opinion. I'm like, well, you're never going to go see this film then, are you? Like, so yeah, so it's tough. That's a little bit tough. Like, yeah. Yeah. And that's it. But I suppose it all goes to strengthen the material. Like the more questions that are asked and the more it can hold up, the the kind of stronger it becomes. Like it's good, but I can just like, you're yeah, putting yeah. so much oh, work into hard. it to get it to this point. And then to like, to have people like specifically, like their job sort of is to hammer away at it to see if it's like, like weak in points. Yeah, you're, you're, that's it. Like people, you're they're encouraged to then, you know, find fault I suppose you know not that there wasn't fault to find but like it like all the questions are very leading like what didn't you like and it's they're not going to say nothing I love it they'll go oh well you know what I mean like you have to think of it yeah so so it it is if you can if you can brave it I would definitely recommend it yeah oh yeah 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 so that's good like it's just it's just an interesting it's an interesting part of the process I just didn't know that it's good to be mentally prepared like that's (laughs) your to have people do like I mean in the past it would have been like oh boards.ie slagging your stuff online and <laughs> at least you get to see it before it hits that um tell me about then um like the I think that you were talking about the VFX and I think the sound as well yeah. like plays such a strong um role in in kind of creating the layers of the world like how do you kind of like delve into that is that something that again you would have had like a strong idea going in is it something that you'd kind of be tweaking as you're developing it Uh, yeah a new sound was going to be like huge like obviously like i I don't know we talked about like the visual prep i did and like watching like because you know visual hallucination stuff but i knew sound was going to be um just so important like and it is in any horror film or thriller like you know and especially something like this where you're trying to immerse the audience into the kind of character's state of mind uh playing with sound so again that was like ideas that i was trying like you know i was looking for references of different sounds or scores or you know sound design and brendan rehl who was the sound designer in this uh we would have had a lot of conversations early on like when we were editing he would have been kind of 
trying things out himself or experimenting. Like one of the first things was trying to find the tone of the facility itself. So he was experimenting with all like machinery noises and trying to get this hum and we want it to be subterranean. So like, how do you get that sort of bubbling over each scene? Like this sort of uh, this tone and this hum, this oppressive kind of feeling. And then in terms of score, um, I really wanted this sort of, I, I said it earlier, like John Carpenter, but that kind of electronic synthy kind of score I thought would feed well into the uh, the film. So uh, Dee Hexen, who was the composer, she's like incredible. Like, yeah, so uh, she would be a big John Carpenter fan as well. So that was like one of the, one, uh, one of a few kind of reference or touching points for us, but I wanted her to put her own spin on it, you know? Um, and then like, there's a, I think, score and sound design the best compliment i can pay to them is there's a good crossover and bleeding between the two even though they were done independent of each other i think they kind of marry each other well and there's the score and the sound design kind of it's all it feels like a, of a whole you know creating the kind of the the, the texture of the space in a way that like really elevates it because i think that's one of the things when you're when you're when it's missing, it's the thing you don't realize, but it feels the whole thing fails off, no matter how good the other elements are. Um, tell me as well, is there now you've you've kind of got it to the final stage? Is there a stage then where you like and Screen Ireland and the the distributors like that you all sit down and you're like, we are ready to go, or is it just like everything needs to be done by this date? We are done. Like, like how, like, what's that kind of like final signing off process like? Yeah, no, it's like films are never finished; they're abandoned. Like that is the way it is, unfortunately. Like, yeah, you just have a deadline. Like, we, I probably could have kept tweaking this until, but it's probably a good thing that there's like a deadline, you know. Um, so yeah, no, it just you, you, you have deadlines to meet, like you know, deliverable deadlines, and and the same thing, like you don't have an exhaustible budget or post production budget, so like you're booked in for a limited amount of time with like we did an outer limits in Dublin um, and like, like Gary Curran, who's the, the colorist, like he on the film, he's like one of the, I think he is the top colorist in the country. So, you know, we have a short window of time with him, you know, the short window of time with Brendan, the sound designer. So yeah, you just have like, you just like a, a tight post-production schedule as well. You just kind of trying to have to do your best to hit, hit those deadlines, those targets, you know? To get it in, and so this screen, this screen at Galway first was that the premiere? Uh, what was the premiere of this? It was screened at uh, NIF in Switzerland, it's like Neuchatel. It's like this uh, genre. It's one of the kind of bigger genre ones in Europe. So we screened there, and then it was like a week later we screened at uh, Galway for the Irish premiere at the Fly. Okay. Yeah. And what? So I presume you were there. That was it. Is it one of those moments where you're like, oh, because I think horror specifically it's so about the journey it's and you're there with the audience and you can just feel that at every stage what was that like that yeah that was nerve-wracking definitely the first screening like it was uh, yeah uncomfortable I guess but it was a relief then you know what I mean to to uh, actually in Switzerland as well like they're really animated crowd like it's uh, like almost like that kind of cliched American audience like shouting at the screen kind of thing like they do that there like which is like you know they were like you know, like shouting different things and applauding when like the first death happened, they're like, Woo, all this sort of stuff. So that was like, oh, okay. So it's like, okay, it's never going to be like this again. So like, yeah, I'm never going to have such a, a, you know, a loud response. Like, so that was great. Like, um, but then the flash, the flash screening, I think was really enjoyable too. Like, cause that was, yeah, it was like, we were sold out in the town hall and we had like a lot of the cast and crew there. So it was a real kind of culmination of, a lot of years of hard work as well and, and they and it was just great for them to see like uh their hard work on the screen as well i think you know so that was a real yeah that was a great atmosphere at the fly like yeah that was i enjoyed that screening more because i had having done it the week before in at nif i sort of i got my nerves out of the way a little bit you know so i was able to kind of sit rest in and enjoy the, the experience in terms of selling this, so you already had a distributor on board, so it's not a case of you have to go to marketplaces and 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 sell this, or like, or do you do they sort of work with Screen Ireland and setting up your festival premieres before cinematic release? Yeah, so there was a bit of backlash. There was like with Epic, they have like a festival coordinator, so they would be yeah, like sending it out to different festivals and like coordinate and then like wildcard who are our irish distributor they were like setting up with the flan stuff as well and then yeah like coordinating any kind of sales and stuff going forward like for streaming and that kind of thing yeah 
Brilliant. So you kind of have your plan laid in place now for this. And while this is screening at your festivals, are you and Derek working on another project? Like, is it just a case of like, this is out there now, so we have to strike while the iron is hot and these are the things that are in our in our tool belt? Or would you already have that sort of in motion? Uh, so we do have another uh, project in development with Screen Ireland, like at a kind of first draft uh, stage. Uh, like we're in the first round of development with Screen Ireland. And it's another horror thriller. So hopefully on a bigger scale, bigger budget. Um, so yeah, we're hoping that like we've had some meetings about that with other people as well. And uh, Simon, our producer, he's going over to Berlin Al this week. Like, uh, you know, so he's, he's, and he pitched it at the Fla uh, marketplace as well, uh, like, like last summer. So we're hoping that's going to be next. And then hopefully like if Double Blind does well or is well received like it's like a good uh calling card i guess you know to say look what we did with no money let's give us more money <laughs> and do you do you feel as well so you would have already been working in the commercials world sort of adjacent to this so even though like your you know your name would still be out there when it comes to getting gigs and things would you have you found like now this is out in the industry um that you're getting maybe offers for TV or anything like that? Do you feel like as a career has it opened your like yourself up as a director or do you think that will happen after the release? Um so uh, well on the back of the Galway screen I got my an agent. I got like signed uh, to Curtis Brown in the UK. So like Brilliant. my agent was at the screen in in the flat and then like approached me afterwards like you know so that was great like I got an agent on the back of it and now um I would love to direct tv and that's something I'm actively trying to pursue so I would have had like my agent would have set up meetings at the start of the year with different producers and different things and yeah hopefully now to coming out this will will go towards that and have you done your water bottle tour I've done a little bit of that yeah at the start I went over to London at the in January started January did a bit of a water bottle tour and that was with both kind of film and TV production companies kind of. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's very much so like, you know, I, I presume it's like, you know, in, in high society, like you're coming out, you know, you're yeah. you're being introduced to the world. Like here's Ian as a director. Like I'm just very interested to see, like I know you can't, if nothing is locked down, you can't really talk about it, but it's interesting to see that shift, that step up. Can you feel it now more so or would you already have been a little bit established from um, commercials and, and your other work or do you feel like oh no I am being perceived in a different way as 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 a director I think it's yeah no I think it's uh, more so as a director because even when I was doing shorts and like I'm the commercial I would have been producing a lot of that as well so it was kind of depending on the hat I'd have to put on oh I might produce this or, or, or direct it like whereas now I think with it even though we had I had some short films that I directed that did well I you know once you have a feature it's just a different sort of you're looked at a bit differently I think you know um that's not putting down short films or anything but i think it's just yeah it's a more like like it's an art form but i presume most people do it to in order as the stepping stone to get a feature or to get you know a longer form project i do definitely think like they're they're so important and a beautiful form but i do think like that is the the sort of industry goal i guess to goal get, in, in yeah. some ways is to get to get your money across the line and do you like would you write or would you develop longer form projects yourself on the side or anything like that is that something that that you leave to dara do you see yourself solely as being a director uh first and foremost a director like i mean i do have a project uh that i'm developing it was something that i'd written before that i'm developing that with another writer but I, yeah i would i think i work better I think I'm good at, I'm very good at ideas, like in concepts, like even like gridlock, that was an idea I had. Like I had the concept for that, the pitch, and then would have then given it to Derek and said, can you, can you make this a script? <laughs> you know, can you write this, develop this, put characters? Uh, so that's, I, I think, and even working with Derek, like he's, like he's a fantastic writer and he has like really great concepts. I, I think I work well in terms of giving him feedback or like giving notes on drafts that kind of thing Re- not rewriting but like you know suggestions yeah. like, so i think we work that way so yeah no i think i i would i'm not a writer director necessarily i'd be more a director um but i have other projects that we're trying to develop and like other you know scripts and I'm always trying to you have to have to try and have a few things on the boil as it were just because you don't know how long something will be in development like we have another screenplay but we have two screenplays with Derek that are in like that are in development with screen ireland and it's just a case of which one's going to go first, I suppose, you know? Yeah, and at the money, like, it's so dependent on, you know, is the money there for that one at that time? And you don't know 
you don't know what else is in the ecosystem at that time as well that might be, you know, existing in a similar space or, you know, maybe the audience isn't ready for it. Like, like how in your film, again, <laughs> the audience was created for it. <laughs> but like, thank you so much. It's just I think it's just such an interesting and exciting point in your career. Um, and I'm I think we're like it's it it's so wonderful um watching the evolution, I think, from from uh, fans of your work for such a long time. Um and so we're we're really uh, grateful for you to chat. I'm I'm sure there's like many filmmakers that are like, oh my god, that's how, <laughs> oh that's how it works, you know? Um and it's it's great to see. So we wish you all the best. And when you get your next one, please come back to us. Oh, absolutely. Like I was really excited to come on today because I've listened to a bunch of these podcasts. I remember even when I was doing pre-production, I was listening to your one with Connor McMahon and Connor would have yeah. given you like some great advice uh, in pre-production. So I remember at the time I was like, oh, I hope I, I hope I get on there and now talking about my film when it's done. Like, so I was delighted to come on. Today. Yay. <laughs> oh, we're so we're so thrilled to have you. Yeah, because it's so exciting. And I think it's just really interesting to hear what that looks like for like filmmakers that are coming up through the ranks, because like, I mean, the whole thing can sometimes just be like a mystery, do you know, where you're like, oh, just all of a sudden you're here and then someone's over there and you don't see what the steps are. So, so sorry. That's why I was like grilling you for the well, whole I time. Hope, I hope it was helpful. Like, and it is, yeah, like, unfortunately, it is a bit of a long game. Like, that. I don't think it's, yeah. unless you're very lucky. I think even like these overnight successes, you, like they've been at hard graph for years, you know what I mean? You just might not be aware of it. Like, so, um, yeah, just keep at it for anyone who's doing like short films. I like, just try and persevere. Like, you know, don't don't give up. Don't. Oh, that, is so, that is so important. Oh, thank you so much for chatting with us. That is so interesting to hear. Thanks for me, Jen. Thanks for having me.